0: This is The Hill, talking rugby league
1: with Sam Perry and Tim Sparks. Hello and welcome to The Hill, where we bullishly skate the flimsy ice of rugby league and get angry in the process. Hell of a show this week. We're so pumped to have secured a chat with a bloke we've both been admiring for a while now. Current Storm and Queensland forward Christian Welsh he says he does finance uh, finance tutorials to relax after the intensity of a Craig Bellamy training session. Uh, elsewhere, it's been another week of Vlandes master masterstrokes, of course, in an emerging broadcast rights fiasco, or so every media outlet bar the Sydney Morning Herald is reporting. Uh, the NRL's apparently secured $250 million from a consortium of UK banks, uh, which sounds completely legit and normal. Uh, so now Vlandy's is king, and the NRL is going to save the economy. Um, internally, Sparks is on fire, uh, as you guys would have seen on social media. Uh, we've got a rip-snorting what could have been uh, that Sparks can't wait to share. Who Would You Rather Be this week uh, is done via request. uh, And preliminary conversations between Sparks and I suggest that Tiger Corner will this week erupt in conflict. Uh, And we've already had a couple of late submissions um, for the much-famed, much-vaunted For Mine section to wrap things up uh, if this is the first time you've tuned into the hill welcome it's where rugby league nostalgia meets pain confusion and conflict in reasonably equal measure where semi-professional football is believed to remain the zenith of the great game and where there's probably more knowledge about david morrow and david manson than there is david Fafita and david Farlogo. Uh, please continue liking commenting subscribing reviewing we're building something here my name's sam perry i'm joined separately but together in melbourne by my co-host tim sparks uh tim where are you at with the game this week, third week, fourth week of isolation or something like that. Um, There's a lot of old games going on. There's a lot of recalls. The programs are full of nostalgia. You love the programs. Tell me, where are you?
0: Hi, Pezza. Thanks for the intro. Good to be back with you on the hill and hello to all the listeners out there. Old listeners and new listeners. New listeners especially are welcome aboard. Where am I at, Pezza? I mean, for a... A code that hasn't had a competition game for what is it, three or four weeks now, it feels like there's a lot happening. A hell of a lot happening. Uh, I'm really confused as to if we're starting or not on the May twenty eighth, because mm-hmm. yesterday it felt like it was all systems go. We're in, good to go, May twenty eighth. But now I'm listening to Shane Flanagan and Dale Copley on the on the programs <laughs> and they're saying that it's just a guide. Like it's just it's just a it's just something to work towards it's a mm. loose it's a loose date so
1: shoot for the moon even if you miss your land among the stars and that yeah, makes perhaps. sense because it is the apollo program which which was landing on the moon something people hadn't done before which makes sense that no one else is attempting to start this early um the, the difference is that the the moon landing was a kind of aspirational feat of human um achievement where it whereas this is more fighting a, um, a deadly virus
0: yeah, that's right. That's right, mate. But, um, you know, look, that's where we're at. I guess, you know, a lot of other things happening, plenty of old games. I mean, uh, we had Easter last weekend and all the best wishes for those that celebrate Easter out there. Uh, but I watched um, the Canberra, <laughs> the Raiders play the Bulldogs, uh, the, the 94 semi. Now, this was a major semi final in the second week of the finals. I think, look, that doesn't really matter. It was the the game before uh, the Gary Larson, John Lomax, Bears, Raiders final, which was two games before the Bulldogs-Raiders grand final of 94. Are you following me? Yeah, I'm not sure.
1: But that's okay. You're watching the Raiders and the Bulldogs, and it wasn't.
0: It was the 90s. Because what I did, I fell into a pretty – That was on KO or something. Um, And then I fell into a bit of a rabbit hole. I watched the Bulldogs, Broncos, semi in 93. Uh, There was a lot going on, but it was. I really, look, I really enjoyed it. Gee, Jared McCracken was a good player when he was in the (laughs) centres for the Bulldogs. That was something I picked up. Um, Ricky Stewart, gee, he was a player. Uh, What else? I mean, just finals being played in the daytime at the Sydney Football Stadium. Mm. Enjoyed that, mate. You're gonna, you might have to wind me up here because I could probably keep going. That was basically my Easter. Uh, was a whole lot of sort of early, mid-90s. I I went out for a walk when I almost put on North Sydney Bears versus Illawarra Steelers round 13 in 1996 or something. I drew the line there. Nothing against either side, as you know, but it was more just uh, a bit of a wake-up call for me. That was where Sean uh, Timmons
1: missed one from in front to win the game. And the yeah, because I...
0: yeah. <laughs> But I realised I'd already watched it on repeat sometime in the last six months. you already
1: seen it. That. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: really why I went for the walk. But anyway, mate, that's where I'm at with it, I guess, since you asked me. So yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, that, that's that's pretty comprehensive. Um, let's start with like the, the the pressing issue with the game currently before we get into why '90s rugby league was the best for the um, 57th week in a row. Um, Mick Ennis you know, the, the veritable McEnnis, uh, a rising star of the media punditry class, Sparks, you'll mm. agree. Uh, well, he yep. said, there's been a bit of debate, you know, about whether the game should get back on May 28th. I mean, on the one hand, it's rugby league just trying its best to get on the field to save the code, the, the NRL as we know it, you know. And on the other hand, every rational person in this country and um, potentially the rest of the world is essentially saying, such a move would cause a major health risk. So, you know, I can see it from both sides. And McKenna said, look, in that event, and you've got this down here, he said, let's just agree to disagree and get on with it.
0: Yeah. Thoughts? I mean, it's a pretty good line. Let's agree to disagree, but then do what I'm saying Mm. we'll do. Mm. Uh, I mean,
1: that's... Yeah, get on with what? Like, I mean, uh, you're right. He He's saying get on with meant. playing. Sure, get on with, get on with um, protecting the lives of, of many people in society.
0: Yeah, well, I just thought it was a pretty interesting premise for him to say, "Oh, yeah, look, you know, I know there's a couple of sides of the story, and you know, my opinion is we really should play because it'd be great to get keep the code going, good for the economy, you know, good for people to have something to watch on TV and things like that." And now, you know, he says to the other person, "I understand that there's health risks and things like that, but." We're going to need to uh, agree to disagree and just play. (laughs) Um, Seems very rugby league at the moment, doesn't it? You know. Do you not feel sparks like uh, this is all just speculation? But like this,
1: uh, obviously, there's as with everything the NRL does, there's just something distinctly league about it. No other sport is attempting to speak this way or posture this way or um, create risk in the way that rugby league is. No one's attempting to look as, no one looks as potentially diluted as rugby league. There's something about what rugby league is proposing in terms of coming back on May 28 at this point in time that is like, has, has a flimsiness to it. Like even just the thing that came out yesterday saying after after nine, it said, look, we're not going to bankroll you. We don't really want you mm. to play the season. All of a sudden the papers the next day, it was just printed. Oh yeah, no, you, a consortium of UK banks is willing to put up $250 million. Just, mm. just this consortium you've never heard of. In a scenario where, like, all sorts of like English League football and whatever is going under, but this bank, this set of banks, just wants to sort out the NRL of all places with a bit of financial security, therefore putting Channel Nine back in the gun, just out of out of absolutely nowhere. No journo had reported that ever. There'd been no. Like, you you would have thought that there'd be a little bit of chat that had been going on for a while that a journo would have got a sniff of or something and started reporting, but just out of nowhere. Oh yeah, no, no, we can get two hundred fifty mil. I mean, we've been Mm. struggling, we're about to fall over or whatever, but, yeah, 250 mils on the table. Bang. Volandis,
0: mate. Volandis. Yeah, exactly.
1: Gets it done. All roads lead to Volandis. What an impressive man. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Project Apollo. And
0: we should be applauding, hats off,
1: applauding Project Apollo, shouldn't we?
0: Well, I don't know. Yeah, they would like us to think that. I mean, for an innovations committee that's been together, have they been together for two weeks or one week? Whatever it is, so far, all all, they they, they were coming up with all sorts of different ideas for the game. So far, they have a loose, a loose date of the twenty eighth of May that Mm. we might play. What else are they doing? Mm. Oh, they were like coming up with ideas, man. Conferences, buddy. Eleven aside, you know. uh, I don't know. New teams, old teams. You know, let's challenge what we've been doing. No, no, just Mm. oh yeah, we might play. There we go.
1: And then, like, clubs are coming out just going, nobody told us.
0: It's a, such then, like, a weird about... Fitlers
1: like, come out and challenged the, the... Is it the Chief Health Officer of Queensland around COVID cases as well? Sort of, you know, again, agree to disagree, let's play. Yeah. And Queensland essentially... Queensland has come out and said probably no origin. Yeah,
0: what, yeah, Queensland's the voice of reason in all this. Yeah, yeah I mean, how amazing? embarrassing is that? Yeah. And to be fair... Um, to the Queensland government. Like, they're not actually... They're not dismissing it either. They're like, oh, we love rugby league. You know, it'd be great, but... Mustn't love it that much.
1: Mustn't love it that much. You know? Uh, Well, Spark, so so in the absence of that, there's been a lot of nostalgia content.
0: Yes, Um, there has been.
1: I have to say, like, personally speaking, and I think most people, like, would have seen this coming in the absence of sport, current sport people just fills their space with talking about the sport they used to like there's part of me that's like that's a bit lazy some of it's good some of it's a bit pedestrian some of it's a bit contrived but there's been some good stuff and you've been watching a lot of that as well like 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 what has been your observation about like nostalgic content during this time what have you enjoyed um, you know what have you what have you learnt? more
0: you know, than anything so far? well more than anything, I just enjoy the actual play of the way the game is played, all right? And I, I guess we talk about, you know, footballers versus athletes. There seem to be much more footballers mm. in years gone by in that era uh, that could catch and pass. They could pass both ways, you know? They run the ball. Or they could string, you know, yeah, passes together. Uh, fair enough, the hits weren't as big, you know? Maybe the they weren't as fast. But they could play the game. That's probably the biggest thing I enjoy. a t another thing I enjoy. Far less carry on, mate. From you know uh, about decisions and just get on with it. You know, with one referee. I saw. So what did I watch? Can't remember now. Oh, yeah, I was watching the gold. I was watching 1992 Gold Coast vs Penrith. Oh my um, God. This is a bit of a. What's well, a bit of a spoiler for for later in the. <laughs> anyway, Wally Lewis scores his try, it's and you spoiler? sort of look at it. You look at it because there was a kick through and it's sort of a regather and you look through and, and just straight away the ref just sort of looks at the touchy and just goes yep good alright sweet try, but I think maybe if it was if he goes over the line in these days they take it back they have you know twenty five looks at it and he probably doesn't score the try. Yeah, Penrith going to make the semi finals maybe go back to back but they got on with it too less arguing and carrying on from players as far as um, the referee went. Uh, a bit more dirt on the field. That was something, you know. Um, Matty Johns. Yeah. Johns reckons that that's good for grip on the ball and good for night football things like that. Um, you know, lot, lot, lots of lots of good stuff, mate. Lots of people in the crowd. That's another thing. Like a lot of more people in just your in your regular civvies, you know. Uh, not not everyone's decked out in the jerseys and uh, the bloody every. You know, you don't have to have all the bells and whistles. It was just yep. Players play with the jersey. We might, you know, there'd be a bit of a scarf maybe. And there's still a few banners and stuff, which were good. I enjoyed them. And the odd jersey, which is cool, but just a lot you've less. You've got some um... personal
1: views on jerseys, don't you?
0: Well, I always have, yeah. Because, I, well, I was brought up. My old man, he said this more about rep jerseys than anything else. He goes, I'll, he said, I'll never buy you a New South Wales jersey or an Australian jersey because you've got to earn those. And if you don't earn one, you don't get one, which I liked.
1: Um, How did that make you feel? Did you think I was going to have to train harder to get one of those Guernseys? Ab- absolutely.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but he had a bit of a different view on the, on the club jumper. But, you know, mate, I pretty much had the one club jumper from age five to about, I don't know, ten maybe? Jesus. I reckon I had three three Balmain Tigers jerseys from age five to 18 Mm -hmm. and one of them was a hand-me-down and one of my old ones got handed to someone else which I was actually a bit disappointed about Mum, if you're listening but it's okay if you can just grab that number nine Phillips jersey um to whoever it went to that'd be good but or if you're out there and you've got that jersey and you're listening to it, I just hope you're enjoying it more than anything. I don't, I don't need it back, but just make sure you're enjoying it. Uh, but, you know, that sort of stuff, Pezza, so uh... I, still remember, I still remember
1: in 1994, before my birthday, which is sort of um, mid to late July, uh, like snooping around for what presents my parents were going to get me the day before. And I found hanging up in, I still remember finding, like hanging up in the wardrobe in mum and dad's room was the the new North Sydney Bears jersey with the red dominant. They just changed from the black dominant from the year before. Um, and it was a red, like the new North Sydney Bears jersey, Citibank, New City South Bank, Wales yeah. Rugby League, and number yeah. seven on the back. Now look, and I will pick mum up on this, it wasn't club official number seven. Didn't have that proper plastic with the like the, the black with the white outline. She'd ironed on number seven or oh. or she'd gone to Mick Simmons or something and they say, "Oh like we'll give you a seven love no problem thirty cents yeah. um now at the time it didn't really bother me because I was just, i mean it was the greatest thing I'd ever laid eyes on, you know, and my brother had been born two years before that yeah right. um I still remember that I still remember that jersey um th- speaking of jerseys I think that was the only one I actually owned i mean partly that was because the best died when I was fifteen but uh from first grade
0: mm but yeah. Anyway, digress, man. Um, yeah, but you know. Anyway, so you know. But the thing is, with a lot of that stuff, and we're talking about Project Apollo and innovation, you and know, we there's are. all this stuff happening. Why? Why can't we start to innovate? Go, okay. Well, if Queensland don't want to play, okay, no dramas. So therefore, no Origin. Okay, yes. okay. sweet, sweet. No okay. New South Wales okay. versus Queensland. It doesn't happen this doesn't year. Happen. All good. Too, too easy. No dramas. No, Let's all. start to have a think about what else we can do. Okay. New South Wales versus Victoria. Okay, would work could yeah. work. We could maybe like give some – and it could be Victoria Residence, you know, similar to the New South Wales Residence, Queensland Residence right. game. We could ask Christian about this later in the show perhaps.
1: Yeah, I'm sure uh, he'd that's love That's an that.
0: idea. Uh, mate, that's just one. I'm just thinking off yeah, the top of my head. there's nothing
1: wrong in brainstorming or broadcasting.
0: But I think just as good, if not better than that, I'd like to see the return of city country and make it a three-match series hmm. and go, this is origin. This is origin in COVID-19 times. Hmm. You know, the the code needs you. Your country needs you. And like the country boys up against the city boys, what better way to rejuvenate and breathe a bit of life back into that fixture? Three-match series, no crowds. But they could probably work something out. I know the country areas don't want us coming to their towns because- We'll infect them with the disease. Yeah, but just thinking outside that for a sec.
1: Because you can get a bit of
0: footy on. Yeah, it'd be. I mean, as we say, it's footy versus footy versus infection risk. You can't take the game to the bush, can you? But you know, it'd still be great to throw it through the TV uh, on a Wednesday too. You know, I think that's got some legs with some old jerseys. That's just a couple of things I've thought about, mate. And you know, I don't know if Apollo's doing this sort of stuff. If Wayne Pearce and the the team are in there doing that. that's just a couple of things, you know. There'll be a reduced comp. There's, there's the door, mate. There's the door for a few. There's there's a couple of other Sydney clubs kicking around. Sydney, not in the NRL. Newtown Jets, for example. Or Sydney Bears, you know. There's, there's opportunity there. Let's go, okay. Queensland is going to sit it out. All good. You're probably better off for it. Good work. The country applauds you. But let's get the Bears a game or two in there. You know, maybe they could split it between the Jets, the Bears, the Magpies, and I don't know who else plays in that second-tier competition anymore, maybe like the Illawarra Cutters or something like that if they're still kicking around. No, no, make it, it, make, make it the best. Bears fine. Well, I was going to give each each team four each, and then whoever wins the, the best out of them, um, you know, maybe they, they get the first sit at the table Mate, with Peter Blandi's in should, expansion.
1: Without doubt. And, and once again, we reiterate on the hill to emperor vlandis and anyone else in a position of power or has access to their stakeholders sparks is available for project apollo he's very easily reachable through our dms grab us on social we're on we're on twitter now instagram facebook see all sorts of uh, great content up there and great instagram stories and facebook stories especially from sparks um, we've got a little bit of time before we speak to christian to do who would you rather be and this week, Sparks, um, courtesy of your excellent research and reaching out to our fan slash fans, uh, we're going to go with a request this week. We've not brought our own. We've actually gone no, with a request. A Bit of history exam. on the show tonight. Yeah, a little bit of history on the show tonight. So um, given that this is, uh, again, you, you've innovated this. Um, I mean, sure, reaching out to audiences is something that, that many media organisations have done for a long time. uh, no doubt no without doubt as far as i'm i've been told yeah um but given that you are the architect of this innovation sparks how about you introduce
0: Mm -hmm. it sure and this is on behalf of listener michael henry so we really appreciate it and i ask you on behalf of michael henry pezza who would you rather be do you know michael i don't and that's what makes it even better because you know to what is it uh open the curtain open the curtain a few times mick henry it could be. I don't know. I think I looked because i what I usually, anyway, it's not important. Mm. I don't know. Got a few minutes for this, Mick. Thanks for the, thanks. Thanks for getting in touch. Pezza, who would you rather be Andrew Walker or Chris Walker?
1: Nice. Yeah, that's good. And normally when we do these, we sort of tend to, um, do the name association via the first name. And so I like that the last name matches up on this one to start yeah. with.
0: Point of difference.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is a fairly simple one for me. Uh, it's going to be Andrew Walker, and I know there's some mitigating factors um, because there are a few things that Chris Walker did in his career that tempt me, or titillate me a little yeah. bit. Lots of things that don't. I have to say, but um, look, firstly, let's just let's just um, compare them. Two two superb players. Two extremely talented players, but I want to go for... Talented can kind of be a double-edged sword as a bit of a descriptor for people. It can kind of indicate, oh, you had a lot of um, ability, but you may not have made the most of it. Let's make no mistake with Andrew Walker. Firstly, dual International. He got one test for Australia. Uh, And, um... One test with the kangaroos. And and that's what I mean, sorry. Rugby league program. When I I say Australia, I'm referring to No, 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 because I
0: know he got quite a few more of that for the Wallabies. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted.
1: Seven tests for the Wallabies. Um... And just a just a sterling career in both coach throughout. I mean, earlier Sparks, you mentioned that um paradigm, if you will, of, you know, footballers versus athletes. Now Andrew mm. Walker was comfortably both, but he was a footballer. Uh and um there are so many memories you can know, think of with him, but like I, I would I, I loved his play so much. Uh, the, the the way he played his footy as a as a back a guy that could play firstly any position and would have played every position in the backs I'm sure at some point in time mm. um, but um the style with which he played uh, and just the the teams he played for the era he played in he would be in my um like if I made my like all time team of of backs like of my favourite players my favourite backs he'd be in there. Let's say Andrew Walker,
0: you've actually done that before. I don't remember all the te- all the plays in that yeah. team, but oh, you have done. You have sent that to me before. Well, no, he no, was in there.
1: Yeah, no need to air private uh, correspondence, but um, oh, sorry. Yeah, A- Andrew Walker for me. I mean, l- l- nice. let's go through. I mean, started like firstly, Galloping Greens for Randwick in like the, in the very early nineties. Um, so just even even early nineties, Randwick is cool for footy. Um, and then he goes and plays in the New South Wales Rugby League for St George. And then he plays for the Roosters. And in that time, he obviously doesn't get any origin. Um, would have been good to see him in that arena. Um, does get a game for City, I think, or Country. One of the two. He played a bit of City Country. And then he goes and plays Union uh, after after 145 games, I think, mm. uh, in rugby league at the top level. And plays for the Brumbies in the McQueen era. Brumbies it was just after. Union era too, yeah. for a
0: story, wasn't
1: it? Yep. And scored an absolutely unbelievable try against the British Lions um, for the Wallabies at the Gabba. Uh, so fuck, that's pretty hard to go past.
0: Um, We're a league show, you know. Just
1: had a bad stuff. game against the All Blacks in that greatest game of all time. He came on late and sort of league league stuff here, mate. League, yeah, ladies here, mate. yeah, and
0: uh, and then yeah, Chris Walker. Well, what can you say? Flying. Well. Uh- I can tell you. Can yeah. I tell you a fair bit about Chris? Yeah, please. Because, do. because in answer to the question of who I'd rather be, mm. and with all due respect to a dual, dual international, Andrew, I'm actually going with Chris. And this might surprise a few people out there, yeah, you will. mostly yourself, Ezra. Yeah. Um, well, it doesn't. It doesn't
1: because I don't even okay. think you believe that. But anyway,
0: no, no, no. Look, I think I can at least sell a really good argument to be Chris. Right. You know I mean? Yeah, Yeah, you know Jimmy NRL teams he played for. Uh, it would have been about six. Yeah, bang on six. <laughs> so, I just think it would be great. Who would have played more? I know Phil Blake played for a shitload of teams. That was always the thing about him. I don't know who else has played more. It would be interesting to find out. But really get, interesting. You get, you get you get 60-odd games for the Broncos. You get 40-odd for the Roosters. You get a handful for the Bunnies, a handful for the Storm, handful for the Eels, a bit of stuff on the Gold Coast. And you get over to Catlands <laughs> and you play for the Dragons for 12 games. So look, you're having it, you're getting around, and you're, you know, you're experiencing a whole different, you know, range of, you know, cultures and environments, which I think would be great. You got, uh what did he get? From what I've seen, six games of Origin for Queensland, oh one, oh two, so probably got pumped then. But the reason I'm going Walker, speed, mate, absolute wheels. He was so fast, and I was listening to something talking of nostalgia. I was listening to someone talk about Darren Albert for the 97 grand final. And Darren Albert made made two really famous plays in that final series. One was the the try at the end uh, to win the grand final. But the second one was to chase down Matt Sears, as you well and truly know, uh, from absolutely nowhere out of, you know, with sheer, sheer speed. And, you know, Matty Johns was sort of saying, you know, well, you know, he didn't really do anything else, but he was worth his position in the team for those two plays. And Chris Walker was similar. He scored a, a quite a famous try in the, I think it was the 0-4 grand final uh, against the Bulldogs. And it was just through sheer speed. And you go, you know what? Respect. I like it. So for me, Chris.
1: I overspoke at the start there, Sparks. You were just on a roll. I would love to hear you keep going. But we will the other side of our chat with... Uh, we, we do have to go because we're going to chat with a current storm in Queensland forward, uh, who I think probably deserves priority at this point in time so we're going to chat with christian Welsh, and then come back to some more silly conversation here on the hill
2: all All
1: right sparks and for listeners on the hill uh it's our pleasure and privilege to be joined by Storm and Queensland forward Christian Welsh, uh, a guy who's on-field and off-field game I've personally admired from afar for a long time. Um, very interesting story. He's impressed at all levels and, and he's also a man who recently said after an injury it was good to have some time off last year so I could work on a finance tutorial and just switch off. Um, I'm not sure you'd hear that from too many other leaguers and I want to find out more about that. Um, Christian, welcome to The Hill. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Very welcome, mate. I can only guess that this interview is happening because we're in the midst of a global pandemic and you have a lot of time to devote to um, um, fledgling podcasts <laughs> that no one's heard of.
2: Hey, I got, I got in early on this podcast, so, uh, you know, don't forget about
1: it. i <laughs> blow up soon, I think. So you, you, are, you are a sports businessman. You know how to get in on the ground floor. I like that. We'll, we'll talk about that later. I'll just, just do a bit That's of reading, right. reading, about you, um, <laughs> reading about you, Christian. Um, now, you know, this. you're born in Sydney, it says, or so, so Wikipedia says, unless that's just a wind-up um, yeah. of people as a Queensland forward. Uh, moved to Townsville at a young age, and then you went to school at Villanova College. Uh, and I looked that up. It's a rugby union school. So you've played rugby union through high school. Would that be right? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I was born in Sydney, unfortunately. Uh, I
2: don't like talking to too many people that. Uh, <laughs> but then mum and dad had some good sense there, Queenslanders, and... Uh, They got me out of there pretty quickly. So I got up to Townsville uh, before I turned one. I had seven years there, uh, four years in central Queensland in in Gladstone there, and then got to Villanova in grade nine, uh, which, yeah, you're right, is a a rugby union school. They don't play – they have just started playing rugby league last year, actually, uh, in that competition. But, um, yeah, my childhood was basically playing all kinds of sports uh, except for rugby league. Um, I, I played hockey. That was my main sport. Uh, and then I went to Central Queensland. Uh, rugby league's massive there, obviously. So I had a little go when I was 13, uh, and kind of fell in love with the game. And then went to Brisbane and uh, and it was rugby union at my school, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, and and that was my first kind of uh, big pursuit of trying to become professional in rugby union, which um, I wasn't too successful at obviously. So um, yeah, I, uh, I finished school and uh, and went down to my local. East Tigers Club you, with an affiliation with the
1: Storm and uh, yeah just uh, I've been involved with the Storm ever since so very lucky Man it's, it's amazing like uh, I, I see when you played Union at school you played inside centre you say you never made the rep sides you go to Brisbane East Tigers you're playing in the centres the Storm recruit you with a view to turning you into a prop two years later you're in the NRL squad following year you make your deb- debut it's quite I mean could could the inside center playing at Villanova College, presumably you played a couple of years of first fifteen there, have ever, ever dreamed that you'd be playing prop forward under Craig Bellamy? Um, for the storm a few years later?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, it was crazy few years and, and the experiment I was uh, I was playing Mel Meningo under 18s for East uh, in the centers, um and, and the Paul Bunn, um, you know, who's has been a talent scout at Storm and also Broncos for many years quite an experienced guy. Uh, yeah, had this uh, idea of kind of, uh, I had a bit of a tall frame on me and good leg speed, but I wasn't that filled out. And then he kind of had this idea of, of changing um, a couple of outside backs into front rows and seeing how that went, and uh, it, it went pretty well, I guess. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a bizarre story, but I think the biggest thing I took out of it is. Uh, you know, rugby union, I, I, I tried to make it through and, and didn't quite get there. Maybe I wasn't quite as talented, but I really found a, a home um, in rugby league, and particularly at Storm, where they really value kind of your know, work ethic and, um, you know, your yeah, mental, like, toughness. And I think that's a great thing about our, our game rugby league. Yeah, there's room for extremely talented guys, but then there's also room for those guys who just do the little stuff. Uh, and have a great work ethic and work really hard and are tough. And I think you, you can't you can't have enough of those guys in your in your team. I think so. That's what I've tried to build my game around because I'm probably not as talented as uh, as many of the other guys in the NRL. Th-
0: that um that type of play is that something you think that's more unique to the Melbourne Storm or to rugby league in general?
2: Yeah, well, look, I I've, I've been so lucky. There's been so many kind of sliding doors moments that. Uh, you know, I went down to East and, and it was a storm feeder club and then um, I was lucky that you know, the Holden Cup was still on. I, I went down like, the first year with Anthony Seedbold, who I've got a great relationship with and, and he's a fantastic coach. But I had two years there to really build up my body because I'd come from playing in the centres in rugby union to, to needing to get my body you know, as a, as a front rower uh, playing that competition. So that was two years. They were amazing in, in developing me physically, and I think if we didn't have the under-20s competition, which was basically full-time training, uh, the load we got, um, I don't think I'd be where I am today. So I've you, a lot of, lot of things go my way, uh, and then obviously the way the Storm play and the, what they value in their, in their forwards and, and all the effort plays that Craig Bellamy really identifies as important and really valuable. Um, I'm not sure if that translates uh, across the other 15 NRL clubs. I think... Um, I think at times we get a bit caught up with you know those flashy runs and, and you know try scoring and um, but I think I really fit the defined role for the storm. You know, I don't get me on too many uh, YouTube highlights reels, but uh, <laughs> it's really down there and
1: um, and it's really suited me. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you only need a good producer for good YouTube highlights reels, man. So let's talk. But um, I just I had a question about the storm. I mean, I think by this point, people are probably fatigued with the the narrative and it's true around the what makes the Melbourne Storm special and the kind of extra efforts that happens under in the Storm camp under Craig Bellamy etc I guess I have a 2 prong question like it, do you think it would be fair to say the Storm is probably the best place you can go to progress as a you know your education as a player and and a person at this point in time and secondly how much of that um, edge that the Storm has is located in that access axis of um, Bellamy and Camp Smith. And so, for example, when it is time, you know, for, for them to evolve beyond those two players, do you think it would be fair to say the Storm would still have that like institutional excellence, or would it depart if those two guys were to go? Yeah, I've often thought
2: about this. Um, I think. When I first came to first grade, it was about six or seven years ago. uh, Obviously, the big three were there. And I think the best thing for our club and our culture was our best players were our hardest working players. Uh, And I mean that in terms of training and developing and striving to get better. I think when you see Cameron Smith, and he's still doing it this preseason at 36, where he's won it all. He's played the most games. And he's last one on the field kicking goals. I think your 18, 19-year-old rookies go, oh shit! You know this guy—he's still out here. I've done nothing. I haven't debuted. I'm—I'm I'm a bit of a nobody. I need to put in the work. You know, I need to be at longer past him. So it really flows on really well. Um, so I think that's a big thing. And then I think we've been really lucky that we get—you uh, know, I was lucky. I got to the club when I was 18. We've got really strong people like Jesse Bromwich, um, Karen Muncey. These guys, a lot of the guys that have come through. They've been almost kind of blank slates. So I think I think that's been really important that the Storm have been able to mould uh, the way they approach training, pre-season, their I, I suppose attitudes before they're an established NRL player. Because so I think at times, yeah, we've bought some players to come in. Guys like Blake Green have been really great. But I think a lot of the time. These young guys who come through and perform well at NRL have been through three or four pre seasons where they've started at the bottom as rookies uh, and they've seen the the veterans how they train and prepare. And then each pre season is extremely hard, but at the same time, each player is identified by the coaches, their their weaknesses, um, things they can get better at, and it's really, they're held really accountable. So I think if you do three or four of those pre-seasons where you're continuously, oh, what, what can I get better at physically or skills? Uh, you just keep producing players and then the competition in the squad and they want to compete against each other. So I think there's just so many things that are done really well down at the storm. And I think, I, I hope certainly when Craig and Cameron Smith you know, eventually move on, that we've got some really strong leaders there who have been developing for years and, and come through the system that,
0: that they maintain those high standards; those guys have set. Yeah, that's that's cool, Christian. I was just um going on the location of the club, being obviously in Melbourne, which is a long way away from league heartland like Queensland, New South Wales, etc. Sort of see a lot of parallels between the sustained success of the Storm and also the Sydney Swans, with the Swans sort of being a an AFL team in a non-AFL um, city. I was wondering if you reckon that plays a role in why the Storm can be so successful all the time, the fact that they're in their own city, um, and I guess, I don't know, maybe can you tell us what it's like playing league in Melbourne? We're, we're, We're both living in Melbourne, incidentally, Pezza and I, so what's it like? Is there a massive difference being in Melbourne and playing league as to being in Queensland, for example?
1: And do people still call it rugby to you?
2: Definitely not put you down (laughs) in Melbourne. Yeah, I I think yeah probably the first thing that comes to mind there is when the club first started, and and guys like Glenn Lazarus, and and those guys like they couldn't afford to stuff up and and do something stupid or come across as arrogant or or not Mm. um, put their bit in into the community and, and you know do the luck around the field, you know have a beer with the punters after the game because like their existence relied on building goodwill in the community and obviously people love a team that wins but also you know they're not going to put up with dickheads Um, and so I think that's been a big thing culture wise that's kind of been built early much earlier than uh, I suppose when Craig and that came because I think we were lucky that the guys who started it really focused on building a good culture uh, because you just couldn't afford to carry on and I think that's really translated and into uh, I suppose these years that we're in now, um, and, but yeah, I suppose living in Melbourne, it's I, I seriously love sport and, and it's just got so many amazing offerings. Uh, I love my Aussie rules, and I suppose as a regular league player, um, you can kind of just find me at the radar. There's, look, there's a little bit of press, but there's not too much. You can really just enjoy yourself. Um, so it's a great lifestyle, and I think. Most of the guys really enjoy it. I know, like, Cameron Smith, he can he can go down to a pub and Richmond and have a few cold beers. And, yeah, people recognise him. But it's, I, I don't know, it seems to be a bit of a different mentality between people there. Whereas in Sydney, obviously, it actually pisses me off how, how much he, he he's hated in New South Wales. And, and considering how much of an upstanding guy he is. Like, I just don't... When we play on away waitress and we get an opportunity to go for some beers in Sydney, he, he just can't come with us because he's. That he can, really. just clobbered too much. Yeah. Really? And I, yeah, I don't think, he, I don't think he, he's at that stage where he'd want to come out with the young boys, but um, yeah, I, uh, I just don't think it's worth his time in, in a place like Sydney where he's just going to get hassled. And and what, the thing that frustrates you with Cameron Smith is, you know, we sit on the bus for that long because he is the last one on there because he. Shakes, in, shakes hands, gets a photo with every fan at the ground, and, and they and they might be wearing the sharks jersey or whatnot. He, he's more than happy to hang around and give his time up. Um, and I, yeah, I just don't understand it. We we couldn't have a better role model in our game. Um, and, and to be fair, in rugby league, we haven't had a whole lot of great role models. Um, and I just I just don't understand how we treat him. I think maybe because he's he's such a competitive winner. Um, I think that might
1: weigh you him a little bit. But by the same token, Christian, like it must great if you go for a beer in Richmond, you know, with Cam Smith that like a nab rising star or something or a draft prospect who's eighteen years old is gonna get more attention than like two origin players.
2: Yeah, I mean, um yeah, it depends how you look at it. Some guys really like the limelight and, and obviously there's benefits there, uh, you know, if you're talking third-party, you're, you're talking commercial opportunities, you're probably at a disadvantage of being a Storm player in that market because you're up against all those AFL stars, whereas in Sydney and Brisbane, particularly in Brisbane, the Broncos, you know, they've got an amazing opportunity with their profile and, and for off-the-field stuff. But if you're talking pure football, and I'm sure Belger loves it, uh, just flying to the radar, no-one really gives you too much uh, grief, and, and it's pretty hard to get a big head down in Melbourne when... Uh, there's, there's not a whole lot of press here.
1: Kind of just about six to eight pages back in the sports section uh, with the bit of a writer. Just after the TAC Cup uh, results, but um, oh, I just get that coming down here. But <laughs> uh, mate, I'll just I mean, let's. There's so much we want to talk about with your career and stuff as well, and and we will. Um, You just mentioned commercial opportunities and stuff. And and I know you get these questions a lot because people see you on social media and they see a bio (laughs) uh, under your name that they don't usually associate with league players. You're talking about a guy with a commerce degree. You're studying for an MBA at the moment. You've got all sorts of community initiatives you do, um, doing some research on you. You've you've, you've been to Harvard recently for a a short negotiations course as well. These aren't things that you associate with league players. I mean, can can I I ask you, you know, like what, what observation do you make about um, rugby league's current commercial position—it's in flux at the moment. Uh, you know, there's a there's a broadcast issue going on. There's a question of whether players want to play. Um, we don't know the value of the game. Um, h- h- how are you reading the tea leaves from a sports business perspective on wh- what rugby league is trying to do mm-hmm. and what it needs to do? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been something's been really
2: frustrating to me uh, seeing comments online. You know, they go oh, uh, you know, this this would be a great thing. You know, it's, it's time to take stock and and you know get back to the grassroots. Don't worry about these professional players and, and the NRL comp. You know, it's it might be a good thing. And I'm I'm just thinking there's a bit of a lack of understanding between how uh, you know the, the relationship between professional sporting comps like the NRL and AFL and grassroots. So I think I think people maybe think it's a bit more like the American model where. The revenues split to uh, hugely, you know, to players and the owners. Whereas, um, you know, it, it just frustrates me a bit that, you know, like the the, the development officers in the primary schools uh, going into rural areas, um, giving kids footies, putting on carnivals. Um, I, I think about the, the social programs, mental health, wellbeing, going into schools, Preston Campbell doing, like, you know, guys are doing amazing work. I uh, think about funding of, of our women's game, the overdue uh, importance and, and giving girls an opportunity in our communities. I, I just think there's so many things that's funded from our competition that it's, you know, yeah, I understand that the players do enjoy, um, you know, a, a good chunk of the revenue coming into the game, but there's so many other things that rely on it, and and particularly in our communities across Australia uh, they really rely on those grants feeding down from the NRL, from all that broadcast revenue, to uh, you know into schools and that. So uh, that's, that's something that's frustrated
1: me a bit recently. Mm. I, I mean, just and just on that, mate. Like I'm just reading uh, one of the uh, Nick Tedeschi in the Guardian today, and it's just more of a question to you for the, from the current situation. He says if the NRL is to be played exclusively in Sydney with what's coming up and and all the chat about the pandemic and when the NRL is coming back, the most likely scenario, the Warriors and the three Queensland clubs and Melbourne Storm would all likely need to go into quarantine by this weekend. Have you had any instruction (laughs) around whether you need to go into quarantine uh, in the next couple of days to to make this main day? Yeah, so I'm on the LCL
2: advisory board and we're... We've been kind of catching up quite regularly amongst the 16 clubs and the reps trying to kind of just get a gauge where we're at. And um, I certainly, you know, I can understand both sides of the argument about regularly commencing, recommencing. Um, But, you know, I I don't necessarily have an issue with NRL targeting a date and saying, you know, if things go our way, this is what we're aiming for. I I don't have an issue with that. But I I just think there's so many things that need to get sorted. uh, And I just... I don't know, I'm struggling to see that timeline working at the moment because as a playing group, we, we, we just don't have answers to the questions and that's not necessarily in our they fault. They're, they're doing their best to try and sort this thing out and broadcast and scheduling um, but, you know, like like the Warriors and, and the with young families over there, there's so many things that are really complex and really hard to answer uh, and until I suppose we get those and the safety of our players, until we've got Clear answers for that. I just don't think they can
1: really do much at the moment. Oh man, I think a lot of people would hear what you're saying and um, be really, find it really refreshing to hear a player who can speak so um, eruditely about these kind of issues. And, and one thing I thought of about you specifically is that um, it must be strange for you kind of being a, a Melbourne Storm player who is a Queenslander um, whose own government is kind of saying, Just pouring a bit of cold water on dates and saying, you know, look, while we love the game, there's a health perspective first, but then you've got the central body being pretty reasonably bullish, I suppose, about coming back. It's probably hard for you to know where to sit, you know, diplomatically in that kind of situation, right? Yeah, and and, and as I said, I I can totally
2: understand both sides of the arguments. You know, the government they're trying to promote social distancing and, and set good examples uh, for the community and, and, and the NRL are trying to you know, they're a business like many others struggling out there and they're just trying to see if they can safely operate and um, and get the show on the road and then, and obviously there's the, the, the I suppose the benefits for the community um, I, I don't know how much that actually is a thing but um, you know, where the well-being of people watching regularly Matt, um, I, I guess that be something, but I think generally um, it, it's just yeah the health and uh, I suppose deception is a big thing. Those politicians are in a in a tough spot there, like the Premier of Queensland. You know, you're asking so much of your citizens to stay and be disciplined, and then uh, to be seen to be, I suppose, showing favouritism for you know rugby league teams or sporting teams. They're in a tough position So I
0: can certainly appreciate that side Yeah for sure, thanks Krishna Hey, can we move into some of um, The community work that you've been doing Over the last, I guess, few years I see on your Instagram You do a lot with um, Camp Quality There was a a trip you went to Uganda I think with a couple of the other players Are you able to Can you tell us about the Uganda trip? I didn't know you guys went on that Yeah, so um
2: uh tim manor uh with, through the manor foundation um his wife's from south africa and he's been sponsoring children uh throughout africa for for many years and and he's sent a lot of resources over there so basically that trip was just to kind of see the amazing work tim's done uh, not, not necessarily anything of mine or ryan Patnows and we were kind of just lucky to uh just come along and and witness it all so uh tim's an amazing guy and and a really great guy to have in rugby league and, and he stayed on in Paramount. So, uh, I really loved spending that week over there with him and, uh, and I suppose meeting the community. And I, I think that's a big thing for me. Like of, uh, what I've just seen a bit of adversity. I've done two ACLs. I played two NRL grand our of I've lost them. Uh, made my origin debut on a game three and we lost to that famous Tedesco try. So, um, I think if I hadn't had these experiences of working with kids with cancer at Camp Quality and, and going to Uganda and seeing the slums and, the, you know, the poverty and but seeing the positivity of these kids, uh, I think it really really helps you with perspective on, on your own issues and I think that's really helped me throughout, um, I suppose, some of my down times. Uh, and I remember going to Camp Quality so you got to, I'm a trained volunteer and obviously with kids and that you need to do some training and that uh, and I remember meeting uh, a lot of the existing volunteers there and they basically said, you know, you do your first camp uh, for the kids and then every other camp after that for yourself and you know, I truly believe doing that community stuff and... Quality. You like, you get so much out of it as a person, You just it, it's so good for you to do, and I recommend anyone to try and get involved with some volunteering or charity work, uh, because it has so much benefit for, for the community, but also for yourself and your wellbeing, um, so I couldn't recommend enough. Mm.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah,
1: mate. That, yeah, that that is awesome. I mean, I know we're sort of skipping in a non-chronological way around uh, all the things we want to talk to you about, mate. But just just on your career as well, you know, as I observe it, it's been such a kind of meteoric rise for you. That's then um, been you know then had a few hurdles along the way, as you mentioned, a couple of ACLs, obviously a couple of grand final losses and stuff like that as well. Like, you know, how's your how's your headspace given that you've just come back from an aco you got yourself right for this season you had the milestone of an origin debut last year where you put five grand over the bar um for your family to watch you as well um uh like to to now obviously have this completely unforeseen global pandemic pop up you know like where's your where's your head in terms of the things that you might want to achieve this year or just in terms of getting back on the park and playing some good footy again
2: Yeah, I think um, it's such a long process—the ACL recovery—and I was lucky to get one game in in Redsies. um, So that, yeah, it was seven and a half months in between in between games, and you're you're pretty isolated and pretty lonely, and it's pretty long. But um, you know, what I what I love to be playing week in week out this year, absolutely. Like, my last year on contract, and obviously come back from an injury, you really want to kind of show yourself to to the Storm and the other clubs that. You know, you, you are back, and you you are back healthy and playing well. So, but then again, as I as I kind of said before, it's all about perspective. You know, it's like I'd love to be playing footy, but I'm healthy, I'm at home with my family. Um, you know, there's there's thousands of people dying a day throughout the world with this virus, and I suppose. Um, you know, we're so lucky to be in Australia where we, we have a good grip on it and we've taken measures early but the outbreak's really slowed so, um, you know, you've you, you just got to weigh things up, you know, rugby league compared to, you know, people dying and people fighting out of ventilators. It's, uh, it's, it's not really an argument.
1: I'm just stunned by this perspective. I'm 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 rattled. Um, uh, I'm being facetious, obviously, but like just finally, mate, one one more and a, a probably a lighter one to finish off. I've heard on, on various other media platforms that you've been trying to um, stand up the nickname of yourself, a self imposed nickname, White Rhino. Um, can you just give yeah. us an update? Can you just give yeah. an update on how that's going? Um, and maybe a bit of background for those who don't understand that you know what White Rhino means.
2: Yes, yes, if we can push this, when, when this podcast comes out, it'll be appreciated. <laughs> not many of us left, you know, we're an endangered species, the white rhinos. Um, but yeah, you know, as I, as, as I said, I went to Uganda with another one, Tim Mano and he's recently retired, and, and sadly, there's more retiring than more coming through. Um, but basically, it's a white front rower who's not athletically as gifted as the Polynesian or, you know, Maori ones coming through. They're pretty phenomenal athletes, but... We're just grinders. Uh, We don't like scoring tries. We just love to kick pressure on and hassling halves and taking that hit up on on the second tackle. Uh, And so I try and raise that flag down in Melbourne and it gets shut down very quickly. And and Jessie Bowen tells me to shut up half the time, which uh, I do because she's the boss down there for us forwards. Um, uh, But, yeah, if you can push it, that'd be great because uh, there's not too many jobs... For the white for front rows out there anymore. We've sadly, uh, we're getting bent and punched by all these explosive Pacific Islanders, which is awesome. Uh, you know, like seeing the rise of Tonga and that. So at the same time, uh, I'd like a job in a couple of years. So we'll stick at it. Yeah.
1: I well, think it's a good place to finish. I mean, just looking up now on Wikipedia, I mean, in the world there are now only two northern white rhinos left. Um, one's a female um, born in captivity in 1989. So you must be the other one. So it's been, to, to the white rhino, Christian Welsh, thanks so much for your time. You've been so generous. Uh, and, um, mate, we, we wish you the best for the season and beyond, um, both on the field and off. And um, huge kudos to you for everything you're doing in both of those fields, mate. No worries. Thanks for
2: having me on. It was great sir.
1: Well, that was fantastic. Sparks, Christian Welsh, coming on. Uh, must admit, a little bit um, humbled <laughs> on yeah, this uh, very small podcast to have a guy of that stature come on. But you only have to listen to him to realise he's a pretty impressive bloke and obviously pretty good bloke as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely, legend.
1: Um, but, you know, we can't spend our whole time with serious interviews um, or discussions about whether his nickname's a white rhino. We have to get into, actually, the, the serious material of the hill. And, of course, that's the segment that everyone waits for. Of course, referring to Cue the Music.
0: There it is. Fire it up. Tiger Corner. Pez- that's right, Pezza. It is time for Tiger Corner. Welcome back to another... Uh, edition of Tiger Corner. Let's face it, We're most usually... people have skipped
1: through to this part. They haven't heard what's okay. happened before on the show. They're just skipping through to this part.
0: Okay, well here we are. <laughs> okay, as you know, you, you probably know if you've been with us the last few weeks. Mm. I don't. I can't. I can't. You know, um, go what? over the last week's game. What's I'm that? going through because there's no games on. I can't go through the last game. I can't preview the next game. So I'm counting down top fives. All right, last week it did Listicles. goal kickers. Yeah, listicles. Okay, now this time, Pezza, uh, I'm going to get straight into this. I'm counting down my favourite internationals to play for the Tigers. But there's a like a um, a catch. A
1: catch. There yeah. better be, they otherwise can't... it would have just been the top five players to play at the Tigers, yeah. and who happened to be So they
0: can't have played. They can't have played uh, for Australia or New Zealand. Okay, Ooh. so we're going for for, for teams outside too. that. Okay, so here we go. So I'm going and to a, these are West five, Tigers. So. They're not bounders. Yes, West Tigers. Yeah. yeah, we might we might get to the merge, the pre merger stuff another time. But for now, number five, uh, coming to number five has is David Nofaluma with two tests for Samoa. Nofaluma's is a great player. You know, we talk about footballers early on the show. We talk about guys with pace. He's one of them. He's a modern day. He's he's a modern day. Sorry, he's an older years footballer in a modern time, if that makes sense. All right. He knows the game, mate. He's smaller than most, but, gee, he has a go. And uh, he scores lots of tries for the Tigers. I think he'll end up being the the top
1: try scorer. He's in the top five of the non-Australia New Zealand internationals because, by and large, he has a go. I
0: love Oh, Hang on. What, Uh, What
1: else is the criteria? Is it your favorite players who happen to not play or qualify for Australia and New Zealand? Is that it? And then you're basing them on their, like, footy skill or just your, just you liking them it's from the best a subjective? It, it's,
0: the best, it's the best non-Australia and New Zealand representatives to have played for the West Tigers. Be, just in the, the best last so 20 you're rating their football, their football skill. Yeah, but they had to have played an international yeah. game for okay. someone. Okay? okay. So, Not For is number five in that category. Yeah. Number four. I can see where this is going. With one test match for Grace, John Scandalis. I mean, what a legend. <laughs> Uh, one of the few guys that came over from the west side of the merger and went through some difficult years. And he had already experienced difficult years in the Magpies, but, you know, got us a, uh, a premiership in 2005. And what a legend. So he had one test match for Greece. Uh, it was, can't remember who it was against, but they won it. And he also skipped with the side. Love Scando. What a legend. Which club put
1: out the worst team in the 90s? Magpies, comfortably. Oh, I read a, yeah. couple, a couple other clubs give them a run for their money.
0: Souths weren't too good, but mm. I think you know uh, Balmain. Yeah, but they weren't. I mean, you have got to look at like sides like the Magpies, like the Gold Coast, mm. uh, Balmain, like Souths. Well, possibly they never got spoons though. The Tigers, and we had a oh, we had a good year in ninety ninety. Uh, number three, <laughs> I've gone. I've gone for uh, a young Mitch Moses. There's a, this might surprise you and a few of the listeners out there, but I've gone for Mitch Moses with four test matches for Lebanon, uh, which all happened in the twenty seventeen World Cup, and they had a good World Cup that um that that time round. And look, a couple of reasons for this one. One, because I did always well, I did always like Mitch Moses. I thought he was really talented, and I was sorry to see him go.
1: Ah, uh, uh, sorry. That, uh, that, no, 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 that, no. Hang on. That, sorry, there's not going to be any revisionism on this show about your feelings towards Mitch Moses when he left. I, I thought he was good and talented, and I was sorry to see him go, mate. The, you crucified him. I you, did you, not, you, did did turned him. you turned on him. Oh. You turned on him massively when he left. This is not a case of pretty good players. Sorry to see him go. And you got to, hey, you got to stop speaking on this show like it's a press conference. Sorry to see him go, could mean a lot of things. Just be honest about how you felt about him leaving.
0: I was sorry to see him go because he's a really talented player. He's a goal kicker. He's quick. He's a a football player. He was getting something together with Luke Brooks. I was sorry to see him go. Now he's playing at Parramatta. Do I have much time for him? Of course not. gave it to him. Of course not, mate. Of course not. It's the colour of the jersey. Four test matches for Lebanon, and it's also just a bit of a... A dipping of the of the hat just to the the Lebanese guys that have been you know really prominent uh, for the Balmain Tigers, particularly over probably the last thirty years or so. Mm. Uh, you know Ben Alias, Robbie Farah, Hassan Saleh, Ahmed mm. Bashiri. You know Arma there's Bajuri. a lot of them. Mm. Um, Dave Basari. And, uh, exactly right. Exactly right. So know. we don't know so, if he's Lebanese, do we? I'm not sure about Basari. <laughs> um, I got his autograph.
1: I liked him. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, number two. Now you actually might like this one and give me a bit of credit for it. Uh, with one test for Samoa, and bearing in mind this is just rugby league we're talking about, it's a league show. Ben Te'o. <laughs> ben Te'o, number two, four because he didn't play. Oh, I might have, I might have hurt myself here. I'm pretty. Yeah, you can fact check me on it. I don't think he played a league test match. No, he didn't because he played some Queensland Origin, but he never played for Australia. So Ben Teo with one test for Samoa, he was a fine, fine player. Uh, he played about 40-odd games for the West Tigers, Peza. Um, maybe a few less, but it was, it was, he only he played about 10 less than he did for the, for the Rabidos, which he was sort of famous uh, in, that, uh, in that grand final they won a few years ago. Uh, but he was a fine player. And Peza, actually, uh, a quick story for you on Ben Teo. After nice. his debut, he debuted against the Warriors at Leichhardt Oval, yeah, uh, which you were you were there at. I can't remember what year it was, maybe 07, 08. It, have, it was in those sort of – It would have
1: of... been 0, 07 or 08, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, and we should have beat the Warriors. We should have been in the top eight. We weren't in the top eight. We didn't beat the Warriors. We, in <laughs> fact, I think we ended up drawing with them. Um I think, or something happened. Anyway, Brett Hodgson missed a kick at the end. But anyway, I, well, I got to talking with Ben Teo at the, at the Balmain Leagues Club that was then functioning and allowing us to run an absolute mark uh, in their establishment. And I just remember talking to him and, uh, you know, I was like, oh, how was it, man? He's like, oh, man, that was really hard. Uh, it, was just, it was just strange sort of honesty from like a, a young, talented player just telling me how, how difficult he found it. Um, well, he did get hooked that tall. game. Yeah, I guess, yeah. We also met Dane Laurie that week, and I wish I could mention him in this, but, you know, he didn't. And he told, he told us that they were all soft. That was cool. Anyway, Ben um, Bentiu, number two, one test for Samoa. And Pezza, the number one, had to be. Also one of my favourite players to ever play for the West Tigers. None other. Gareth Ellis. 17 tests for England, 16 for Great Britain. And, you know, he just had some wonderful, wonderful years uh, at the West Tigers uh, in those sort of, you know, 2010 to about 2013 uh, kind of era. Very unlikely not to win a competition in those couple of years, but he just brought this toughness um, and he brought an edge to the Tigers that, quite frankly, we never really had before him and we certainly haven't had it after him. The only guy that kind of matched it with, as far as a forward kind of leader, was Todd Payton who we did have uh, when we won the comp. Uh, But, yeah, gee, Gareth Ellis was good. I remember a game. It was against the Roosters at the football stadium. And the Roosters – and it was sort of, you know, the Tigers had the ascendancy, but the Roosters were just coming back. You know, the Tigers needed something. Roosters got a penalty, uh, kick for touch, um, tap. And I don't know who took the hit up, but Ellis rushed out of the line and smashed him, uh, knocked the ball loose. Scrum feed Tigers. Um, the Tigers went on to, you know, gain the momentum and uh, mate, win mate. the game. So he, he comes in at number one okay. as the best uh, international to have not played for Australia and New Zealand, but played for the West Tigers in the last 20 years.
1: Pretty disappointed you didn't that, – that Eddie Pettiborden didn't get, it, get in there. Um, he played for the USA. So well, you've just walked away from the microphone. So –
0: Pettiborn was close, but I didn't.
1: Yeah, Pettiborn was one of those guys. What have you done just there? But just for the listeners, there, like we're we're talking here. I can oh, see sparks just, on Scott, and he's just. He's, I've just started. He literally just stood up and walked away from the microphone. We're on air, Tim.
0: There's just just to pull the curtain back for a second. There's the been a, a bit. whole. There's been a whole host of technical issues, um, from my end tonight, and I just realised that I that didn't have uh, my computer on charge. Um, throughout that, and it seems that all the technical issues I was experiencing have um actually now disappeared with me just plugging that cord in. So uh, that could have saved us a lot of time and um and angst uh, about an hour ago, Peasant, But that's my top five, mate. Sorry to Eddie Pettiborn. but it's it's a top five. It's an elite group. It's not a top ten. Um, and look, you know, I've I've now covered you know my favourite internationals uh, that you know that didn't play for Australia, and New Zealand. I've done goal kickers um i can't even what did i do the first one? Oh yeah best players to have only played 10 games or less so look i'm open to all sorts of i don't want it to be the the same stock standard just your, your favorite players or you know we want to think a bit outside the square on the hill i want to get on the apollo commission you know <laughs> i'm doing things differently around here Pezza. so if you've got an idea send it my way send it my way favorite jersey favorite what about Favorite CEO, you know, I don't know. Like, would you, um, hmm. favorite coach? There's probably only five of them, but let's get creative on it. Pez, if you want to suggest something, and I'm open to it, all right? So, thanks. There it is again for another week, Tiger Corner.
1: Fantastic. Uh, one of the great installments of Tiger Corner sparks, um, that I've ever been privileged to hear. Um, well, let's, let's, let's speaking of innovations. Once again, and and I think if you are going to make a submission to the innovation uh, to the Apollo Committee, uh, if you had to put together a pack, a, a PowerPoint presentation, if you will, Sparks, or you know, if you're trying to get into a US college, you have to do a bit of a uh, a bit of a story about why you should be admitted to the college, why it, you know it would be important for them to have you. Well, I think you, you'd be leading with this segment. This would be top of your resume. You know, I, I started season two of The Hill, the rebooting, the refreshment of The Hill, a couple of years after Pezza you know, abandoned it, moving to the UK, having a kid, etc. And one way I got it off the ground was the inception of this segment where I ca- approached him and I said, "Peza, what about a segment where I match up two teams from various eras? I list out their, um, <laughs> their, their squads, one to 13, 15, 17, 18, depending on the era that it is. And, and you know what I'm going to call it? I'm going to call it what could have been. And we're going to ask, uh, we're going to ask the fans, who do they think would have won that match? And uh, and mate, I tell you what, if you if you put that down for your your application to Stanford, Yale, Harvard, if you will, you know where Christian Welsh did, did, did a yeah. <laughs> did a negotiation course for a couple of days, then um, absolutely, well, you'd be more than half a chance. They'd, they'd be mad not to let you in, mate. So, well, what have we you, what man. have we got for what could have been?
0: Thank you for the kind words, and I'll just get straight into it because you've explained it perfectly. This week we saw the 1992 Gold Coast Seagulls up against the 2003 Manly Warringah Seagulls. You know, and again, don't want to just tread out the same, you know, you know, oh, the oh, bloody yeah. the gun versus- teams... Yeah, exactly. You know, the storm of you know ninety nine or whatever. Like everyone else is doing that. Let's 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 explore a bit. You know, yeah. let's do something different. And you know what, Pezza? Maybe we learn a thing or two on the way too. We yeah. get a bit of history along the you way. Know? Exactly. So, um, look, the game was being played at our Seagull Stadium uh, on a, a Saturday night as well. Just for a bit of context, we we're playing under the nineteen ninety two interchange rules, right. uh, which saw only two two players being used on the interchange bench. Um, and David Manson was the referee. Yep. And basically what I do with this with this game, I, I look for, for the listeners to get in touch, to have a think about who might have won the game, uh, and I read out the best answer. So uh, Neil Dix got in, in touch and said Danny Peacock was some player, and he was lined up at fullback for the Gold Coast. Mm. And, uh, and he's dead right there, but he hasn't, he hasn't suggested a winner, uh, so he's sadly not in the hunt. Uh, but what has happened here is Ben Shine... Has has got in and said an enticing clash of the cellar dwellers, but the gulls win by two because of a parochial home crowd uh, of six thousand seven hundred,
1: which is a lot for a Gold Coast sporting fixture.
0: Uh, that's right, exactly. So look, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to to Ben for this weekend. So congratulations, Ben, for for coming up with that that answer. And we like that sort of the that the history and you know the the uh, the notion that there was a crowd of that sort of figure, which was probably about right. Um, I think Ben also went on to tell us that um, he did a bit of research himself, and the Seagulls would dock two points uh, that season due to exceeding the replacement limit in the game. Mm. Uh, perhaps somebody told them what the deal was. So true. Could have been a byproduct of Wally Lewis being the captain coach too, Pezza. So um, that's something else we learn about it. Um, but yeah, look, I also learned somewhere that so the the, the Gold Coast finished last, Manly Warringah finished second last. Uh, the Gold Coast were fined uh, for breaching the salary cap uh, that year, which is interesting, and also knocked out Penrith uh, in the last round mm. of the season. Um, and although Manly came second last in 2003, they still managed to beat the West Tigers at uh, Leichhardt Oval. I think it was 38 to 30. I was actually at the last bit of that game, and a uh, one Robbie Farrah made his debut that day, Pezza. So there's just a little bit of history for you, and, um, and and well done to Ben Shine for getting in touch. So I'll have another. I'll have another another game that we can we can get involved in and, and play next week in what, what could have been. Uh, and I'll just need the listeners to to send in their winners.
1: Thanks very much for that, Sparks. And just a final word, if you'll allow me, um, for this segment. It actually comes via a private message I received from a friend of the show and a, and a specific friend of Sparks, Billy Rees, otherwise uh, known, known as Bill. Bill was moved to write to me a few weeks ago and I'd meant to raise this, but I'll do so now. Um, and... I want you to listen up here, Sparks. Um, Bill's written, and I I say this with his permission, and by that I mean I haven't asked him at all. Uh, He says, just an interesting observation on the last show. Do you know when Tim came up with the idea of the new segment, What Could Have Been? Sounds very similar to an idea I ran past Sparks last Friday before you recorded the show called What If?, Based on the thought of what if the ball had not hit the Roosters trainer last grand final, would Canberra have won? What is Dally Messenger? Uh, what if Dally Messenger had not swapped codes? Would Rugby League still exist? Anyway, looking forward to Sparks' original ideas next week. Ha ha. All right, let's move on to the segment known as For Mine, where we answer your questions to wrap up the show. It's been a great show so far, Sparks. I've, I have enjoyed it. Sound sound quality's good. We had a good guest. You're on fire, as per usual. The first one comes in from... Uh, Friend of the show, Sam McNeill, he wrote in last week as well. This time it doesn't include I think, uh, any any marketing uh, instructions for us. Um, Sam writes, um, Anthony Watmo, he says, Anthony Watmo would have played in the same team as both John Hoppawati and John's son, Albert. Um, do we know any other instance when this would have happened? Tim?
0: Great question. As in other people that played with John Hoppawati and Albert? Because uh, maybe Menzies did. But I don't know. It was just... I know what he meant. I just thought yeah. i I, I start quickly. Look, I sort of racked my brain. The the one that I started to think, like Cooper Johns, Matthew Johns' son, is mm. kicking around at the storm now. Yeah, I was trying to think. I mean, Cameron Smith might have played against Matthew Johns, maybe. but yeah, I like but that. Yeah, he, just, he would have. have just missed him. But, I mean. I think he would Matthew, have. But I don't think... Cameron Smith's 2003. Yeah, maybe even a year earlier. Yeah. Uh but he wouldn't have played in the same team, but uh, but I was. You got to think that, about father sons,
1: you know. Like um, I was just off of my head, like John Cartwright and Bryce Cartwright, for example.
0: That's not father son though. I don't think. Oh, is that's, that? That's uncle nephew. Oh, part of me. Uh, my mistake. Yeah, that's like, so we. John Lang, Martin Lang, but I don't. Yeah. I mean, that was that was a pretty big divide there. I mm. I don't
1: see Brian Smith, Jason Smith.
0: Hmm. Um, <sighs> Uh, that you've confused that with who would you rather be? <laughs> uh, but look, yeah, I, I, Brian I can't, Smith and Brian I, Smith. Mm, nah. like, I can't think of any. But I think if we all put our heads together, we won't be able to come up with one. Oh, I reckon to go question, back a li- go back a little bit. But um, a good little pick up there. Yeah, really good. Bob Fulton and Liam Fulton. No, you've no, you've made the same mistake again. Mix that up with um, who could you rather be? Or who would you rather be? Hey, look, not like these aren't necessarily questions, but I just threw something out there as to you know which house you'd want to live in. Uh, yeah, you did throw that, yeah, yeah. there. That, that's been thrown around a little bit. So if you want to have a look on Facebook, and you know, House One fe- features Rod Wishart, Brad Goddard, Mark Soden, and yourself, Pezza. Yeah. Uh, house Three offers up Darren Senna, more than Edwards, Michael Speechley, and myself. <laughs> and then our uh, House Two is. Uh, Gee, Morvan Edwards is in both houses. Gee, I did that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't check that, did I? Shit. Well, it's Morvan Edwards again. Matt Toshak, Gavin Allen and Tony Hearn. Um, <laughs> gee, Morvan Edwards must have been on my mind about something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But uh, look, you know, a few guys, you know. Um, Billy's still come up and said he'll come into the into House 3 with me. So full credit to you there, Bill. Well done. Um, Benny's taken House 2, Ben Shine. And... Um, I don't know if I get the the name right here. Graham, Graham. D,
1: D Carvalho. Yeah, he's
0: gone. He's gone with Mark Soden. So uh, that was house one for him. Um, and it, and and you'll be in there too. So that, that that's good to hear from a few people there. Um, and we'll, we'll keep reaching out via social media in this sort of time and try and stay connected, Apeza. Eh, <laughs>
1: certainly will mate uh if you've made it to the end congratulations once again thank you for listening to the hill as always we uh we love to wrestle the algorithm whether it be apple or spotify or whatever media behemoth will be you know controlling us fully shortly if you can provide a review or a like and just get us um you know in the conversation especially if it means getting sparks on the Apollo committee um but just generally being involved in the rugby league discourse, then um, we'd be greatly appreciative. Otherwise, we're very um, grateful and, and very honoured to be presenting you with our content, um, especially Sp- especially stuff led by Sparks, who has been carrying this show content-wise for the last couple of weeks, I should say, um, in all seriousness. And, um, you know, if you'd have told me four or five weeks ago they'd be sitting here in a global pandemic, um, having a beer, living you know, obviously with my wife and son, but also my mother-in-law as well. Um, but listening to Sparks come up with segments like "What Could Have Been," um, based now what realizes something his friend said. Um, Full and, credit to you, bill,
0: we'll talk about that.
1: And talking to Christian Welsh, well, then I'll take that. It's quite good. So, until next time, we'll catch you next week, and uh, see what we can get on next week as well, and we'll chat through the week. And no doubt, Sparks will have more social content for us to uh, keep you occupied. We'll catch you then.